Welcome to another episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today, Eddie is talking to Stephen McBean, most notably of the band Black Mountain. Um, I'm excited to hear this one. How'd it go, Eddie? It was great talking to Stephen. Uh, we, it seems like we have a lot of, uh, you know, bands in common, you know, going back to what we listened to as like early teenagers and, uh, you know, he's, he's, you know, probably best known for Black Mountain, which is kind of revival, you know, seventies, psychedelic, heavy metal kind of stuff. Um, but there's really a, a element of kind of like early punk rock that flows through, I think a lot of what he does and, uh, getting to hear about him growing up, um, you know, in, in Vancouver and, you know, Victoria Island and stuff like that. Uh, it was definitely, you know, kind of eye opening to see, you know, where, where all of that comes from. And, uh, you know, we just, he, we got to talk about all these crazy shows that he saw in Vancouver, you know, back in the eighties and, um, all the way through, you know, doing jerk with a bomb, uh, which is, I, I think jerk with a bomb is probably the first project of his that I, I was aware of, um, and how that kind of morphed into black mountain and, uh, pink mountain tops and all the stuff that he's been doing for the last, I don't know, decade and a half or so, but, yeah, we had a good time, and uh, you know, we it, when you listen to it, you'll notice both of us are laughing a lot and having to, you know, uh, not taking anything too seriously. And uh, I think it shows on the conversation. So I hope y'all enjoy it. Hell yeah, man! I'm excited for it. This is gonna be our episode with Stephen McBean. Enjoy, guys. It was funny because like I moved into this house and it had like it's got like a cool garage and I was like I'd like to build like a little you know makeshift studio in there. Then I realized I would have to get a fair amount of you know building supplies and and all that. So I just I just set up in one of the bedrooms. Um, And I, I just kind of recorded a couple things, and then I, I started trading, like, like, Black Mountain did a tour with Riley Walker last year, which was really funny. He's amazing. He's a drummer, uh, a company, company man, uh, Ryan was playing drums, and he was a fabulous person, an amazing drummer. He, he, he was... 
locked up in uh, the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio, I think. Um, <laughs> and he had a little studio too, so I was like, "Hey, I want to say, you want? Can I send you some stuff and you can drum on it?" And yeah, it started like that, and I was like, "Oh, so kind of ball got rolling a bit and." You know how, like, I'm not sure, I imagine it happened everywhere, but kind of the the beginning of all this, the, the, the first bit was, like, surreal and kind of scary. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, like, especially when when everything was, like, taken off in, in Italy, you know, when it really started kind of like, oh, oh, wow. Um, and then... uh It seemed like then everyone kind of, there was like, kind of like, it's like people took little deep breaths and people got all creative and stuff, <laughs> doing all this, like, woo, you know, and like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and whatever, and big spurts of that, and they're like, I'm just going to lay here and look at my phone, <laughs> <laughs> a bit of that, and then kind of comes back, um, but yeah, I started, then I just started <clears throat> trading, sending songs to people and different people uh, played piano and drums and bass and just got some violin on it back and yeah it's it's forming a a little a little fun album. <laughs> That's awesome. Is this the first one that you've uh, done a lot of the recording and stuff yourself? I've done like. Most of the most of the Pink Mountain Tops records, I recorded like either a, a good chunk of, then with, with, sometimes with uh, Colin at, at, at the the Hive Studios in Vancouver would kind of take over. Josh from Black Mountain would do some stuff. Um, but I did a bunch with different people. But this, I think, this is the first time I've ever actually like done a record uh via the world wide web <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of i'm kind of like this is i was talking about it with the the woman who just did some violin and it was like we were because t- she was telling me she had just set up a little thing in, in her house and uh and she was like got you know a little, little mic pre and a cool mic and stuff I've got like these new uh, headphones that are. I've never had Bluetooth headphones before, mm-hmm. and they're kind of it's kind of blowing my mind. Because I'd always be like, I'd be like jogging and running, and I have like earbuds and with the cable attached to my my phone, Sony Walkman, and mm-hmm. jam- jamming out of my ears and. My my lady friend Best Bud, she'd be like, "You got to get some fucking Bluetooth headless." And I was like, "I was like, ah, I was like, ah, fuck, fuck that shit." <laughs> and then I got them. I was like, "Oh my god, wow, this is." <laughs> I was I was super slow to the game. It was like kind of when I got like a a, a discman, 
with your with your compact discs and you mm-hmm. <laughs> burn your like your 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 mixed discs and I was like this was like like way later but I was like I was blown away how many like CDs I had on tour. I was like, whoa dude, look at all these look at all this music I got <laughs> <laughs> But like I said, I was kinda late to the game on that too. So Oh yeah, but we were just talking about like now you can get all like you can get like a I guess you would say like an amazing recording chain in your bedroom, you know, you get universal audio or Poltec clone and you know nice yeah all this stuff and then it's like oh you can you can you can send it around the world I know I had like a do you know the band No Means No mm-hmm. from Victoria BC yeah like the Andy Kerr who was the guitar player singer throughout the eighties and then he left he made a he moved to Amsterdam and he, he made a record with Scott Henderson, who is a local Victoria recording engineer who goes way back that recorded a lot of the seminal weirdo underground music from there. But the, yeah, they made a, a record like via, I think they were ma- mailing like four track tapes back and forth. And <laughs> that was like ninety. I remember being like actually being like pretty impressed by that. They were like way ahead of the curve with this file sharing shit. Yeah, that that's insane. Um I wonder if he did I I know uh Andy Kerr did a record with uh Jello Biafra. Um Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Who would have probably been in Sacramento at the time. So I wonder if they also did some tape trading to to put that together, you know, being yeah pretty far apart. Yeah, cause yeah, cause I feel yeah, that's what they did. That's cool. So, uh, did you grow up in Vancouver? I grew up in well in Victoria, so on the island on Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born in Vancouver, but did all my, like, my teenage, teenage years were all in Victoria. It's like, I mean, it's a, I don't know if you know, but it's like, it's it's a massive, it's like, it's a huge, huge, like, the, like a, like a bunch of cities and stuff on it. It's not, you know, so it's like, this is a, a city of Victoria of like, probably 250,000. Um, but they had a really, there was a really good, uh, I guess you would call it punk underground weirdo scene there in the, you know, in the eighties and nineties and, and still, you know, it's kind of close to Vancouver, but it's this weird, you're, you're surrounded by water, you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff like that's where no means no was from. And kind of a lot, a lot of bands with like, a really good drummers, <laughs> <laughs> maybe a bit of a, I mean, definitely because of No Means No and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. Cool bands like Red Tide and all of them were kind of a little little off kilter, you know? Hell like yeah. probably down, you know, like down where you're from too. It's like it's, you're not necessarily in the hub. So there's a slight, sometimes a slightly different uh, wavelength. 
of you know like like yeah yeah you can you can get a little weirder with it because uh people have less choices <laughs> yeah um it was it, it we were lucky that because kind of like i say it had a, a a good scene and there was a few you know notable bands like a we actually had a lot of good bands came through there so like black flag and the whole sst kind of touring contingents came through there a bunch Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's awesome good times yeah I, i just uh i just talked to um paul rossler um from you know the SST glory days and stuff like that, and he was talking about how oh, yeah? how those tours, like those early Black Flag tours, uh, and you know Paul is the the brother of Kira Rossler who played bass for Black Flag for oh, that's right. all that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he was saying uh, they basically established these like touring patterns, and he was saying that if you look at mm-hmm. it now, like DIY bands will still go to the same places that black flag went to like back, you know, back in the period that you're talking about, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. That whole, that whole era is like, I feel it was like black flag and actually DOA from Vancouver was pretty, pretty pioneering. Like in that, like I'll see like, I'll see some weird, weird ass flyer from the middle of nowhere and it'll be like, you know, the subhumans from Vancouver, like, uh, yeah, then Black Flag, the Minutemen, like in mm-hmm. the weirdest place. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, that show fucking must have just ruled. <laughs> yeah. I bet that was you crazy. Know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't putting together that DOA was a, another Vancouver band from that period. I bet that was crazy. I've heard Joey Shithead was a wild dude at live shows. Did you ever get to see them? I saw them in their, like, I guess technically it would be their third incarnation, which, which was still great. It was like, like 83, 84. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the, you know, the, the, the first one that's the three piece, Chuck Biscuits, Randy Rampage, Joey Shithead. But then that's the next one where it's the four piece with with Dave Gregg. That's the you know hardcore one. Like the just everyone talks about them. Like you know that was they were the best band like on the planet at that mm-hmm. point. <laughs> but it's weird because you know you're like you're like forty years later and you've seen like ten of their you know uh, farewells. <laughs> um, they're always but they're always still great. But yeah. The uh, so I the one right after that so it was like Chuck Biscuits had left for Oxy to join Black Flag and then uh, so it was like Warren Forty Five yeah like eighty three so it was it was it was it was it was, it was, it was still great but it, it uh, you know, I never got to witness especially Randy Rampage the bass player live which. I think he was probably like a pretty big inspiration for like Duff McKagan and shit mm-hmm. like for like the the dirty ass like rocker like hardcore kid and he had he had the wicked fucking he had the wicked jump <laughs> yeah leap off the fucking the top of the the base the base cab <laughs> hey that's an yeah. important skill 
Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like I say, I didn't see, I saw the third, but even that, yeah, it was. So were you, were you a teenager were around that? Fucking unstoppable. Yeah, I was like 13, I guess, is when I first, the first shows I went to. I was just a tiny little man. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first stuff that kind of, uh, you know, grabbed your attention? Like, is there anything from that period that, like, sticks out at you as something that made you, you know, kind of uh, get into writing your own music? Yeah, it's kind of weird, because, like, I, I loved ever since, like, I was, like, tiny, tiny little kid, like, I, I liked music, you know? My parents didn't, like, have, they didn't have, like, a lot of, it wasn't, like, a musical family, there wasn't records everywhere, but, like, I think I got, like, I know there was a Bay City Rollers record, there was an ABBA record, and then and then basically there was Kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> and then I remember getting, you know, uh, I remember, like, the Cars, when the Cars came out, that was, like, a, a really big deal for me. I think I was in, like, grade five, and I you had to give a presentation in class and I did a, a brief presentation on, on the cars. <laughs> <laughs> I had no, I didn't know at the time that, you know, like the connection to Alan Vega and suicide and that Rick Ocasek would, you know, then go on to produce the bad brains and all this stuff. I was just like, the, or the, you know, modern lovers or whatever. I was just like, the cars are a cool new wave band from Boston. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but there was that, and I, I and then you know there's some ACDC and like it's probably the first time I like got Sabbath too. It's funny. I think the first Sabbath I bought was was a uh, Heaven and Hell with with Dio thing because it was just the it was just the new one. So I didn't I didn't you know at that point I just I'll just you know I'll buy well I'll take I'll take the new record. No, I don't want the seminal old, old, I want the new one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went and got that. Um, and then I kind of slipped into the, 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 I went to the PNE, which is like the local big, you know, amusement ride fair, not quite Disneyland kind of thing, but they have it in the summer in Vancouver. And I, about like the Clash and the Ramones and then got, maybe the Sex Pistols and then it was like a DOA and a couple of things like that but when I when I moved to then yeah we moved to Victoria on the island in grade 6 and then there that was where I like found like you know 7 inches by local bands that were suddenly it was like like to me like the, the kind of the clash in ACDC out like they they were all just these big bands they were all just the same size like they would play in, a, in an arena to all the you know the exact same number of people would show up for you know 35,000 people would they would just, just people went to the same concerts you know it was just it mm-hmm. was just all huge and stuff and then it was seeing these bands where it's like oh he that that's not like a real Les Paul that's 
he's playing a, a cheap copy <laughs> and just, yeah, local bands and just being like, and then, yeah, meeting some friends at school and starting a band and yeah. off we went. Speaking of cheap uh, Les Paul copies, what was your first guitar? It was a, it was an Anjo and it was a, like a wine burst Les Paul copy. It was super cool. Um, actually bought it was like me kind of just maybe around the time of black mountain in the future like i saw like a real les paul like that like the wine burst or whatever les paul standard and i was like i'm gonna buy that i'm gonna have the real version now (laughs) (laughs) i bought it i was so i was so proud and had it forever and then it it got stolen in Sweden, but yeah, I'd for a while I had the the pro version of my original guitar, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, so um, so what what kind of uh, bands were you playing in? You know, and I I guess uh, so. This period is I don't know how far before. Uh, how long until like jerk with a bomb and stuff started? Were you in a lot of bands in between? Oh yeah, the, yeah, there's a long time. <laughs> so, but yeah, the first one was was me and my friend Randy and, and and John, and we started a band called. We were all in grade grade six together. I think we met the summer of grade six, going into grade seven, and we had all. Randy had like an older brother, Ricky, who, who had some, you know, like some early hardcore stuff, maybe some minor threat and whatever. So we were like pretty much straight out, like kind of sex pistols and that, but then kind of straight into like the American kind of hardcore thing. Cause that was kind of was, I don't know, like, we kind of missed that, but it was kind of at this, it, it, it was still, it was kind of definitely at a peak, you know, mm-hmm. it hadn't dipped down to when the first generation said that, oh, hardcore is dead now, <laughs> <laughs> which is, it's, it's funny because I used to always like kind of get annoyed by that. And then I was actually on this, this whole, uh, pandemic thing, I've been actually walking and listening to to a lot of podcasts, to some of Damien's for fucked up from fucked up the mm-hmm. turn, um, and there was ones with like Barry Hessler and stuff like that from the Necros and shit, kind of for, and I kind of got what they meant, where it's like the was like created out of all these different influences and stuff, you know? Like, like apparently, I don't know, like Mike Watt and Dee Boone, it's like they love Blue Oyster Cult and Van Halen and Funkadelic and shit, and then, you know, I know, like, Myers Fred, it's like Ian Mackay, like, loved, like, Ted Nugent and fucking, you know, The Damned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all the, but all the, it seems like that first wave, it's like, they kind of, it wasn't the bands weren't influenced by other hardcore bands. They were influenced from this thing right before. So it was like this weird, I 
I don't know, just a magical, it's kind of like a pretty mind-blowing era, not to, not because I was like sick in it, but it's just, you know, from everything from fanzine networks to booking kids, booking, yeah, tours where the band's playing, yeah, Victoria, BC, Toledo, Ohio, or Asheville, North Carolina, wherever, they're just like going everywhere, and it's, you know, I guess the you know kind of the the independent you know record labels and I guess college radio had been going for a bit. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, it it's always surprising to me. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you know Mike Watt and. Uh, yeah, just all those people have such like a broad range of influences. And mm-hmm. of course that makes sense because what was the first punk rock going to sound like? You know, like there wasn't punk rock already, so it's not like they had anything to, you know, base it off of. But uh yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. It's like the the Minutemen sound nothing like discharge, but they're both both very equally punk. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> Not actually one of the earliest shows that actually it was Black Flag with on the My War tour, so it was with with Kira mm-hmm. playing bass, and but it was also like the Meat Puppets doing Meat Puppets too, and it's like I had like I had you know I had no reference from like wasn't like well you know there sometimes you're into the jam dead sometimes you're you know American Beauty is a great record like I had no idea about any of that shit and I was just like I maybe heard one of their fast songs before but I was like oh my like god this is <laughs> like so beautifully amazing like it was just like what is it? I think the drummer had like a he just—he was wearing a mask or something, something, something weird that when you're like 13, you're like, oh my god, that guy's obviously on heroin, acid, and like a, <laughs> a 20, 24 beer, like he's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it was so like that record still so like it's yeah equally punk and mind blowing and yeah enough to like make it onto. Nirvana unplugged <laughs> 15 years or 12 years after that. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And I think, uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the, the common, the commonality between all those punk bands was really like their attitude as opposed to like what their music sounded like, you know, they were all just trying to make music all trying to, you know, do it themselves and uh you know explore a little bit yeah and like all the that's why when you see flyers from back then too like it's like they'll be trading phone numbers and they're like hey there's this band negative approach in detroit and you can Mm -hmm. go play with them at the the freezer and and so it's like all these shows are like you know what people would now consider you know stacked bills (laughs) they're like oh my god it's but yeah, they were just it's like it was so untouched, <laughs> yeah. so pure. I mean, there's I mean, you can go back. I mean, there's of course like a million different things that like picture what you know, like the the Dutch masters when they discovered 
perspectives and all of a sudden it's like like oh check this out like we've figured how to make it that guy's nose point out of the painting (laughs) (laughs) so there's all all of these you know exciting bursts of human energy and creativity so but i'm especially fond of the the hardcore one for sure Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it sounds like uh you know, on the island, you're getting a lot of good stuff uh, coming through and a lot of good stuff that you're able to hear. Um, do you remember, uh, you know, say you were talking about that first band that had kind of the, the minor threat post uh, uh, Sex Pistols kind of vibe to it. Do you remember, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any guitar licks or lyrics or anything from that era? Like... Is that kind of stuff? Yeah, actually, yeah. There's actually, um, our friend, our friend Jason from Victoria. He he's got a label called a uh, Supreme Echo, and he actually re he like released our our. Uh, we had two demos um, that we put out, and he yeah, he put out a, a mix of them on vinyl, like maybe like ten years ago now. That's it's pretty fun to listen to, you know. It's pretty. It's pretty. <laughs> they're like four track cassette, um, early Tascam that this band, that were friends and that we loved the Neos um, record us and stuff. They're like a bit older, kind of supportive peers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they were definitely one of the, one of the bands that I had their first single, and it was like that thing where they were one of the bands that hit home as in well shit like you can just fucking do this <laughs> mm-hmm. and just like um yeah he, th- actually that's a really good label is supreme echo and he he reissues a lot of uh stuff from victoria and obscure rock and obscure punk from it's generally old canadian stuff not always but mostly yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, was it around this time? Was that when you met? Um, you were talking about uh, Josh earlier. I'm assuming you're talking about uh, Josh from Jerk with a Bomb and Black Mountain. Oh yeah, I met, met him like a little. I met it. Yeah, yeah. I met him. I kind of met him when I moved over to Vancouver like maybe like 95 or something what, I think what I ended up living with um I don't know it was kind of a thing a bunch of us we would move over there for a bit because it's you know it's a big city and shit we'd be like go over there and we'd skateboard around and then we'd go back to Victoria and they were like oh, I'll move back and I, then I just kind of stuck there forever I guess I had a you know I had a I had a job and and whatnot, but but yeah, so I ended up living with with Josh in this house, a bunch of people, and I had made a first jerk with a bomb cassette demo in like like ninety five. It's funny because that was that was the thing where I was like, that was the first thing that I ever did that was like like not you know not punk or not metal or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, 
I was like really scared. I was like, I didn't even know how to like, how, how would I do this live? <laughs> um, and then I just, yeah, got, I, I, I guess my friend asked me to, it's like, will you play a show or whatever, a coffee shop or something? And I think I asked Josh, I was like, Hey, can you do like some, you know, stand up violent femmes type brushes for, cause I was like, I was like, I don't want to do this alone. I'll, we're scared. It's not punk. <laughs> so, so yeah, that he is like a little bit younger than me, but yeah. And then we kind of we played in a band called Ex Dead Teenager for a little bit together, maybe a year or two. That was, I guess, nowadays looking back, you would kind of call it like a bit of synth punk. You know, it's like if we got a review and someone said we maybe sounded like the fall that was pretty cool yeah hell yeah you said that band was called x dead teenager yeah like ex <laughs> like i i used to be a dead teenager <laughs> that is such a good name <laughs> nice yeah so uh I, after you made that tape um and you got them to accompany you on that coffee house gig, uh, did, did your focus start to shift at that point? Like, was it kind of like, Oh, maybe this is the kind of music I'm going to make for, you know, the next few years. Yeah, I think, well, there was like, I don't know what drew it to me. Uh, Definitely. There was things where I was like, I was maybe going through a phase where I was like discovering or like, rediscovering like maybe some of the classic songwriters and stuff, you know? Um, but then also, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it was kind of a, I felt like it was, it, 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 it was slightly more challenging for my personality to, to try to do. So I, I think maybe that drew it, you know, mm-hmm. just to, like, Oh, I've never been, I've never been quiet before or whatever. And it was, <laughs> It's weird because that's kind of where the the folk quieter stuff of Pink Mountain Tops and Black Mountain kind of stems from that because the, the the tail end of Jerk with a Bomb it was kind of I was like oh I kind of want to play a fucking riff again <laughs> <laughs> and we were I think it was like on the last tour we did we ended up we were actually playing most of what would be. Bec- it was like we were a four piece by then, so Amber had joined the band. Uh, Amber Weber, friend Chris. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she, we met her. We were in jerk with a bomb, and then she sang on one song, maybe two on the last record, and then it was like, "Oh, you should come and you know we'd play live," and it's like, "You should come and sing that song with us live," and she. She was so young and cute, and she'd be like, okay, I don't know, but I'm scared. <laughs> and she'd come up and sing it, and you were like, oh, you were like, oh, that was that was beautiful. You should you should come uh, come sing more next time. And then, uh, yeah, like I say, like by the last tour of that band, I think we were, I know we were playing Drug and Not. We were playing like maybe No Hits and a couple others. So there was some overlap yeah, going was, on. Yeah, and that was kind of, it was this weird, like, 
I can't remember what it was. I remember I went to like a bar one night and some like, you know, like you walk into a bar and a lot of time there's like a metal band playing and it's like horrible. <laughs> and then sometimes you walk into a bar and a metal band's playing and you're like, oh my God, this is like the fucking best ever. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I mean, there, it, I mean, there's tons of bands that are like that. Like you'll catch them once and they're so fucking good and you'll, even again, you're like, yeah, but like, I guess metal because it's it's generally super loud. So if it if it sucks, it's you're like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. I saw some some local band. I, I'm not sure who it was, and it was that was kind of where I was like, oh, I want to. I haven't written a fucking riff in a while. What's fucking wrong with me? <laughs> and that was yeah, like. I think we might have been doing "Don't Run Our Hearts Around" too. That might have been. The, the the tail end of Circle the Bomb too. Yeah, that's awesome. so that was kind of the that's kind of the tra- trajectory of you know hear classic rock filters into new wave, get into hardcore, then get into like thrash metal and you know first wave death metal and stuff, and then kind of discover the whole. Touch and go, and you know everything from Bastro to like Captain Beefheart to you're like, oh, I guess I'll finally give listening to Bob Dylan a try, or <laughs> you know all that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just kind of re- that. that re- I guess when I, I guess with generally probably teen, a lot of teenagers, and like I was never like I wanted to like buy records by bands that like. I could go see. <laughs> like, it was like, why would I want to? Like, it's like I don't. I, it's like I don't care about some. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I like Sabbath, and but I was like, I want to see this shit, you know, because it was like, especially that era. Like, someone might put out like a. Maybe they just come through, and you'd never heard of them, and you'd, they'd have like their new record, and you'd be like, Whew. but then yeah, like I say, I started kind of discovering or rediscovering or you know going deeper it's like how many times have you how many dub phases have you had you know <laughs> do you go like I, like uh, every time I, I get into like a, a dub phase i'll be like oh fuck i gotta i gotta <laughs> i gotta where can i dig now and you're like oh my god another amazing door of dub has opened <laughs> like woo, i was kind of having that with like the free jazz lately where like do you know you're doing your Alf culture and your pharaoh sanders mm-hmm. and all that but then someone will someone will post something even more left field where you're like oh <laughs> like you're like wow <laughs> <laughs> um that that's i've definitely been listening to a lot of that stuff lately yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah you can always uh always dig deeper on something like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, so when you're in this kind of like transition period, uh, was it when you, especially like when you started doing jerk with a bomb, um, how did it feel to go from playing in punk and hardcore bands to playing in a band, uh, that's, you know, pretty heavy on, the vocals, like, did you know that you were going to end up being a good singer when you started doing that? <laughs> you know, like, 
Well, I don't know. I I always like I sang like a like a couple songs in like the very first punk band, but other than that, like I didn't I didn't sing in any of those bands like when I was a teenager and stuff. I was kind of like painfully awkward, but like I I wrote um a lot of the words, you know? I'd always mm-hmm. be writing the words and then there was one I was kind of trying to start this new band and I was jamming with this guy Todd and I wanted to get my friend Dave to sing and I was like hey Dave like okay the song goes like this and Dave's just like dude just shut up just you fucking sing it <laughs> I was like okay <laughs> but it was, it was kind of terrifying um, but yeah this, I, I bet so especially because when you're doing that you're not going to have as much you know wall of sound uh backing you up doing that yeah there was it was it was kind of like a because we would we went we actually did a lot of a lot of touring um we did like a 10-week tour of the, the states where but yeah we booked it all ourselves and so a lot of it was like you know punk stuff or i know we played like we did play CBGBs. That was cool. There was no one there, but it was so fucking awesome. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, we're playing CBGBs. Um, but it, there would be these shows where it would kind of make... It, it was kind of bleak, but there'd enough that it was like a, a certain show would happen um, that would make it all worthwhile, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it was, it was definitely a thing where it's like... Looking back, I'm like, I'll hear someone I'm like, oh, that's cool, and other stuff. They're like, eh, um, but definitely feel that it was when I made the the first Pink Mountain Tops record. I had a demo of that. Um, made a demo of that. I think I had the idea like on the last jerk with a bomb tour. Um, made it really quick, and then I, I just kind of had this thing where I was like, I was like, oh, I think I've, I was like, I think I've got something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, which which felt nice. I just I think there was there's sometimes where it's like I always battle the how <laughs> whether songwriting like should be precious or not. I mean sometimes it should be, but sometimes you're just like oh god, like <laughs> either fun or it's not, you know. <laughs> so it was like just another phase, just another phase. Um, but yeah. the yeah, the beginning of Black Mountain the way actually the way the band came together was kinda was pretty magical. So it's like we had we were still jerk with a bomb, I believe, with Amber and Christoph and Josh and myself and we were going to record a record which would have been like Drugonaut and essentially the first the first album and then the time oh yeah then it was time time to go in the studio and then uh Christoph got sick or something so I was like oh okay well I'll take I'll take these whatever it was like four days or something and I'll I'll do the the, the Pig Mountain Tops record so we're not you know we don't have to cancel Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then, and then, and then, uh, I guess Christoph 
I guess he quit. Um, so me and Josh just decided to start. We just, oh yeah, Colin from the Hive, he lent us like an A-track reel reel and a board. We had like minimal recording gear. And we just started recording the first record. And then our friend Matt, who I had known for quite some time um, from the punk scene in Ottawa and whatnot. And, uh, and then he was actually, he was, uh, he was actually the first one that worked in the whole downtown East side thing. So he got us, got me a job down there and shit. Um, yeah, he, 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 he came and, uh, put the, did the bass, recorded bass on it to it. And then, uh, yeah, we kept adding. And then Jeremy, Jeremy lived beneath, Josh lived above Jeremy. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, hey, do you want to do some synth stuff on our new little album we're making? Because we knew him from Sonoya Caves. Um, He was was like, you know, a guy you'd see, but I didn't really know him. And kind of just thought that he'd probably do a few whoop-de-boop-boops or whatever, (laughs) and that'd be that. And then he did all these really, he kind of like half of the first record. He did like, you know, like set us free and one uh, uh, amber things near the end. Heart of snow. These were like, oh god, this is this is really cool. You've done to our our psychedelic music. <laughs> so we're like, you got to join the band now. And he was like, ah, oh, he, he had never been on. He played in a bunch of bands, but he'd never been like on tour or anything. And, and he was like, I don't know. And they tried it, and yeah, things kind of. It definitely took off at a, a a brisk pace, like not too fast, but kind of like, oh, this is this is right on, you know. People mm-hmm. are digging this, you know. Um, oh, I was just saying, like that the the way me and like I think me and Josh we recorded like the drums and maybe the guitars, and then we did a bunch of the stuff later at the at the hive. But people, well, there one some of the reviews are we'd meet people that'd be like like. Oh, it's a really cool sounding record. Like it just sounds like you know people jamming, like you know, in a jam space. And we're like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. Hell yeah! I so I think it's interesting that at at that point. Um, where kind of all these offshoots were happening, you know, with, you know, what would become, you know, some of these songs for Black Mountain and the Pink Mountaintops record and stuff like that. Um, it, it seems like you had sort of a core group of, you know, maybe maybe just BC people that you knew, um, but you had like a a goal for each one of these projects. Is that fair to say? I think, I mean, I think looking back, I think we were just all, we were all just really excited that, cause Matt was doing blood Meridian mm-hmm. and then Amber and Josh started up lightning dots. And I think, I think everyone was just excited that we were like able to travel around and we we did a bunch of tour. We only did one where it was like, I think it was a UK tour where it was a, 
Pig Mountain Tops, Blood Marie, and, and Black Mountain. I think we only did that once, but I don't know. It was just, it was just, it was just fun where it was like, oh, we're making all new friends traveling around and, you know, we're getting the chair beds in a hotel room once in a while, you know, and it's, 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 also, it's, it's all, it's all, wow, neat. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's Pretty awesome. much, you know. So you, you like touring? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of keeps me sane, which is, it's almost been like a year. The last show I played was, I think it was February 13th, and it was in Los Angeles. It was Pink Mountaintop solo, but both Amber and, and Jeremy came down, so the three of us did like a couple Black Mountain like acoustic-type numbers mm-hmm. together, which was pretty fun. So that's, that's like essentially a year, which is kind of, I mean, I think probably for the last, well, long, long time, but at least since like Pink Mountaintops and stuff started, it's been probably like at least 80 to 100 shows a year, but probably more like, especially a good chunk of it, probably... Maybe a little over like two hundred when we were really going wild. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it, it's a weird. I mean, it's 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 kind of a it's a it's, it's a weird way to live sometimes. <laughs> um, but it it does it keeps. I mean, I, I like obviously it's like the meeting people and like connecting, either just hanging out or or through, through the shows and stuff. And it's kind of like we were talking about earlier. It's, 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 it is pretty still rooted in the, 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 the style of the original, um, early eighties DIY touring, you know, especially in Europe. I think there's a lot of like places that have been around for like, there's a, Oh, it's in Holland. What is it called? It's not Milkweg. It's the other place. And it's like, it's been there forever, and like in the, you know, it's that place where they have the band dinner, and like in the, in the, in the, in the dining room of the band eating hall, there's like all the posters of all the bands that have played there, and like it's like every, you know, like Gang of Four, like U two in 1981, like <laughs> it's just, just you're like whoa, like the Gun Club, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just, yeah, um, yeah, it's still there. That's awesome. When you're, you know, you mentioned getting to, to meet people and my impression of you in the extended, you know, Black Mountain group and projects and stuff like that is like kind of like a family sort of uh, vibe is what I get from it. Um, do y'all typically have kind of networks of like people you stay with and stuff when you travel around just from your years of touring? Uh, we definitely sure we I mean I think over time like it's it's like a lot of the people that we've you know maybe met on the first few tours like there's a good chance like they could now be like a couple with a couple ten and twelve year olds 
So, so it's that weird thing of sometimes they're like, ah, oh, you know, sorry, we can't make it out tonight. And you're like, you're like, it's cool. We're, we're just going to go back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not always, but yeah, there's, there's definitely like a, a connection of lifelong friends and people we've worked with. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, like the whole the whole thing with some like you know people that like our people that drive and roadies and sound people, you know, generally people we've worked over and over with for like years and now have become family, you know. Yeah, are there any particular you know cities that y'all love visiting when you get the chance to? Or particular, um, particular venues or anything? It's weird. There's a lot there's a lot of times like I'll remember like like certain things on the menu at the venue if they have food. <laughs> um which is always you know, it's always exciting when you're like, Oh yeah, they they got like amigos in Saskatoon, they got like a killer like chimichanga. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like the middle of the Canadian prairies and they have this amazing massive deep fried burrito. <laughs> but you get, ex- you remember it and you get excited. Um, I mean, there's certain places that there's legendary places when you play them for the first time, like the Troubadour or whatever, you know, where you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like, <laughs> like you know, there's a reason it's been around for so long because the room sounds great, like the sound system's great, the staff's happy, you know. It's, um, I think Chicago had a lot of those places. I like, you know, like the, what is it, the, the Gray Eagle in Asheville. Hell yeah. Um, there's been some crazy ones like, like Coco in London, England. We did a, it's kind of one of those places that has a balcony and they open and close it depending on the show. But I think the, no, the Scala, the Scala, it's a little smaller, but that's the, I believe the photos on the back of, uh, Stooges raw power from there. So it was like, Oh, right on playing there. It was cool. And I mean, yeah, they definitely like it's like you get into Europe and they've got like sometimes they'll have these. I think they got there's generally a lot of government funding for venues there, so they'll have like these really nice like little like venues with like multiple different sized rooms and like the most pristine sound system and um. So you're like in one room and I don't know, maybe Sleater Kinney's in the other <laughs> bigger room or whatever. <laughs> um, those are cool. But then it's like, Oh, like places like, uh, like the Earl in Atlanta. You ever been there? Oh, hell yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, just you go in there and it's like, it's like shitty PA and like a bunch of busted <laughs> mics. And, and you're like, this fucking night's gonna rule <laughs> you know, yeah. just because the room sounds good and the, the, the fucking people can come in and they're right up front and soaks up all the volume and there's not all the you know fancy treated room but it just it just sweats and just sweats and bleeds like rock and roll <laughs> oh yeah yeah what it- that place is 
Where are you? You're in South Carolina, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So I'm about equidistant to Atlanta and Asheville. Kind of in between okay. the two. Jerk with a Bomb played... Um, I'm trying to remember the, the city in South Carolina. It was also like a... They had like rest... Um... Fuck, I can't remember the place, uh, but it was one of those things where, like, do you remember what it would be? It's, did they, uh, what did they some have of the rest city? in the name? Is that what you mean? No, they just had, like, like wrestling matches there, too. Oh. That could be Columbia. <laughs> we have a big arena that, uh, like, SmackDown and stuff comes to a lot. It, it could also be uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Wasn't green. It was Columbia. But that was one of those shows where, like, I think no one, there was no one there, but, like, the poor guy and the bartender lady watched and they really liked us. And they gave us, like, you know, I think we were doing tons of shots. And <laughs> the, 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 the woman, she just had, like, such a, she had, you know, the Southern Belle voice. And just, beautiful music he played. <laughs> and are like, I love this. This is great. <laughs> We're like, it's fine. We're just really happy with these shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like in Colombia, uh, there's a far-reaching history of great bands playing Colombia and the shows not being promoted properly and nobody going to them. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens. It happens. That seems to be the thing. But yeah, so uh, when you're when you're playing live up on stage, uh, you know, say say with Black Mountain, for example, uh, what kind of is going through your head when you're, you know, actually playing and singing and stuff? Do you kind of zone out and, like, listen to y'all play? Or are you kind of you know, constantly kind of paying attention? It goes, to be honest, like, all over the place. I mean, I guess one of the big difference between, like, Black Mountain and Pink Mountain Tops Live is, like, there's a lot, like, definitely, like, a lot more volume incorporated live into the sound. Um, and definitely like there's way more riffs, but there's like a extreme volume can be (laughs) like quickly, like quite transcendent, you know? Um, so there's, especially like when we're, when we've been touring a lot, we'll, we'll, we'll try to at least have like, we used to like when we first started i know we did a couple tours where it's like we weren't we weren't writing like this is like the yeah like the very beginning where we like weren't writing set lists and we were just we were just jamming and we'd like someone would call a number and we just had all these cues and it was like really fun it was like on the edge of because sometimes you're like oh oh shit it's going sideways this is (laughs) getting kind of noodly and sucking when someone's gotta someone's gotta do something um and we had fun with that for a while. Um, 
I recently was like, I, I given like the the live recording of. I don't know if it was Psych Fest or if it was Levitation yet, but it was 2012, I believe. And we played and we played and there was like a crazy, turned into a rainstorm and thunderstorm. And unfortunately, like after us, everyone got washed off. But we had this moment where it was like, people were still like, oh shit, a storm's coming. But we're, you know what I mean? It wasn't panic yet. Mm-hmm. And we played like a, I just, yeah, I, I just recently, recently heard this, like maybe two months ago, we played like a, a version of no, no hits that I just have to say, knocked my, my socks off. I was like, where the, I was like, where are we going with this? <laughs> like, but I could feel us locked in, but I couldn't, you know, I had no idea because we were just making it up. Um, but then we went through a stage where we wanted to put together like the, just the rock machine concert too you know which is really fun too mm-hmm. where you're just like boom <laughs> we, we, we always try to we kind of switch it up a bit but so you i guess the beauty of the the free stuff is especially when you're playing night to night is like is, is the, i guess the, the the challenge of it going wrong you know keeps you on your toes a bit, you know? Um, I like, I mean, I like, I like both. It's like kind of the same thing with like black mountain and pink mountain tops. Like I'll, like I'll kind of, I'll just get a little, I'll like a little bored of one for a bit. And I'm like, oh, okay, I want to do that. And I was like, okay, I want to, I want to do that again, you know? Cause yeah, you know, you've, you've kind of given I guess, yourself, I guess I'm, You've given yourself oh, a saying, chance I, I just, to do a lot of cool stuff, like a, a broad range of stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, and it's like, and you know, like, especially like, I mean, going back to like, yeah, like, Jerk with the Bomb, that last record where, where Amber sang on one of the songs, and we, you know, we were like, oh, we we're like, we we're like, cool, like our... I think our voices together sound really neat. <laughs> kind of like we've always been kind of pretty, pretty, pretty effortless in um, singing together. It's always pretty, pretty damn easy and fun. Hell yeah. That was actually the nice thing when that last show we did, because we did like, I think we did Radiant Hearts, Buried by the Blues and, maybe stay free or something, but I'd never, we had never, I think I've played a couple of those songs solo with an acoustic, but like never with Amber. Um, and it was really nice. Cause when we, when we try to do that with, with black mountain, like sometimes it, when you're in the middle of a rock show, it's like, you're like, Oh fuck, we're, we're, we're trying to bring it down, but we're not quite bringing it down enough or, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like, it was actually nice to play those those few songs in like a actually little little room that was all like a you know like the the hushed hushed kind of <laughs> like when you went, went to like those quiet you know like teenage indie rock shows where everyone's like Shh. <laughs> like oh sorry <laughs> um it was it's just nice because yeah yeah that sounds awesome 
Uh, on the, the louder side of things, um, what is your, your loud touring rig like now? Uh, just in terms of, you know, Uh, amps and stuff. It's always been pretty much, it's Fender and a Marshall or sometimes it's Fender and a high watt. So it's either a Fender twin and uh or a super reverb mm-hmm. um and then either my marshall super bass which is like kind of like a jmp but it's the the, the bass amp version mm-hmm. um or uh high watt uh is it dr uh, the, the the 50 watt head um but mostly i think most of the last tour it was the the super bass super bass is pretty awesome yeah that's rad um yeah i imagine that is incredibly loud (laughs) with the the twin beside it yeah it's it's nice when you can like i watched that there's that documentary like on the swans that came out in the last year or two yeah Um, uh where does the body end yeah, and I was like watching it, and I'm like a, I'm probably not like a t- power swan fan, but I, I mean, I like swans a lot. Like I remember I I liked swans in the '80s, but I think I liked where they went later more. I mean, I didn't mm-hmm. get to see those early shows, but I've seen a bunch like in the last. 10 to 15 years where it's, you're just like, Oh my God, this is like <laughs> this lunacy, like <laughs> amazing. Um, so I was watching yeah, that's this, amazing this movie and, and it was one of the eras from when that guy Thor and all those people were in it. Um, it's probably live at Paradiso or something. Mm-hmm. And it was, <laughs> It, you could, they were trans. It was like that volume transcending thing, and I, I was like, all of a sudden, I was like all emotional, and I thought I was gonna like cry and stuff, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, oh god, I, I totally miss playing live, like, it's, and especially that thing where you something transcends, where like you do slip, because like sometimes, literally, like I'll be, I'll I could be thinking about a sandwich, or <laughs> sometimes I'll just I'll be. I don't, I'm not, I don't really look at people at the front, but like I'll, I'll, I'll scan the people at the back. Like I'll maybe see a guy, he'll walk up to the bar and he'll, he'll check his phone, he'll order a drink, he'll wave to someone and he's waiting for his drink. He'll kind of put the shoulder on the bar and he'll kind of look over at the stage and I'll be like, I'm going to, it's like, I want to connect. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> try to pinpoint my energy like like can i captivate him and then <laughs> like his drink comes and he's like yeah, yeah they're all right and he looks at his phone again and <laughs> there was a we i mean not i don't know it's just like an interesting i'll just i guess people watch you know i think if i look down at people it was like i think it would weird me out you know be like yeah i remember like actually that that black flag show it was like that was rollins beginning of his just the shorts i think the first time he 
he had the search and destroy, but he didn't have the sun yet. And he had a broken arm. <laughs> it's funny looking back because he was, because he was probably like, he was probably 22, maybe 23 at the most. <laughs> and he was like, you're just like, that's the most badass motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like they're doing side two of my war and you're just like, holy, like, you know, I mean, like I'm 13. So it's like, but he would just, he would just, I mean, they, they're a weird band cause they have that. It's like, they have it, like this disdain, like the, it's like they hate their audience. <laughs> like, they're like tr- truly like, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so confrontational in this, you know, especially too at the time where everyone's like, you know, hates them because they're playing slow and all these, you know, you're either kind of along for the black flag ride or like, or you weren't, you know, it was like, it's like, I, it's like, I like, yeah, I loved bands where it's like, oh, well, they're going to, where are they going to go next? You know? So, mm-hmm. but I don't know where I was. Oh yeah, but just by talking about those transcendent live moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's yeah, like time and I guess it was around the time of in the future, but but like uh, you would do some pretty fucking long ass versions of bright lights <laughs> and those were like yeah the whole middle section where it would go from like, the keyboard the song would drop out and then jeremy would go into his his stuff and then i think we had a bass cue so it was like it was just whenever one whenever matt decided like you know it was time for him to you know, all right, let's move on. <laughs> you know, he'd be standing over there next to his amp, like drinking his beer, and we're like, "Come on, man!" Let's. He's like, "Nope, not yet. It's <laughs> not ready." <laughs> and he'd kind of just—he actually that he had he had a really smooth entrance into his. Uh, I'm going to lay this fucking riff down on your ass. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. It kind of what you Yeah, and then yeah, so that was. I know that's just another weird phase. Like uh, I, I, I went through a big phase of, of, like yeah, like bright lights. I think that one on records, like eighteen minutes. But then I'll get completely like infatuated with like how does how do the Beatles fit that same epic like tomorrow never knows like into like two minutes and twenty seconds. <laughs> You're like fuck. They're still beating everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I mean, that's. I. Mean, I think. I think. I'm actually sorry. I, I should have told you I got stoned from my walk. But oh, good. <laughs> but that's kind of the 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 beauty of of life and music is like this. Always uh, can dig back in and like. I know everyone like. I know everyone like hates Spotify and shit right now. Um. So I got gripes with their. You know business model but at the same time I'll be like the shit that I like with the free jazz stuff it's like like I say like put on Ornette Coleman or you know uh, whoever and then it's like something else pops up and you're like what the fuck is that (laughs) it's amazing or even like 
deep cuts, you know, kind of, I, me and my friend Sam, we were, when this all started, we were like going through discographies. Like I started, like I did you two. I think I just got to the Joshua tree, but like hearing those first three records again, were really inspiring. And then they hit a, what's the first one with Eno? Is it unforgettable fire? And you're like, that's where the, that, that, U2 sound kind of really first comes in. Like it's where the earlier records, it's like, you can hear all like sushi and the banshees and yeah, you know, the pop group and all this stuff. And I love those records. Um, but then it's like, look, I guess now that when those records happen, it was just evolving. But now like you can look back and chronology, chronologically, you're like, Oh, this is where Bono appeared. Like the first time <laughs> where it's like, that's, he's there now. Like he's before he was there, but it's a thing where, okay, he's, he's comfortable in his Bono shoes. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting where you can, I, well, yeah, I went through the, sorry if I'm rambling, but <laughs> I don't get to talk to people much because of this damn pandemic. Um, but the, David Bowie and like the, the first, the first boy record, I was, I was like, I was like, Oh God, this is, this is fucking horrible. <laughs> yeah. The one where In he's doing like, like the hot heart throb thing. Yeah. And there's, you can tell he's like, kind of going for a scott walker thing but it's just like it's just and then the next one with like you know space odyssey is obviously a cool ass song but that one you're just like ah but then like when like man who sold the world like as soon as fucking fucking mick mick ronson comes in and mm-hmm. i guess it's out the first one was what's his name the tony uh the producer also played bass on it. Um, but yeah, then then it's just like, you hear like, you hear fucking Bowie get his Bowie shoes on and he's just all like, all right, man, the fuck, I'm doing whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the, like, it's, it's, you're just fucking mine. I didn't get through all of it, but I mean, yeah. And I thought, uh, Dark Star was is it Dark Star or Black Star? Dark uh, Star is Great Grateful Dead. Yeah, it was Black Star. The, was the like twenty or two thousand five or so? Yeah, that, that that's the, the one that came out like right before he died or right after. Um, like basically oh. three years ago. Mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. For, Pretty great record. Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. And Dark so, Star yeah. by uh, Grateful Dead is pretty fucking great song too. So. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you ever that, have a Grateful like Dead one of those. I got into them later. There, It was weird because I was definitely around for that whole, there was a definitely an 80s I had friends, a lot of friends in Victoria that were like, they. Pro- I guess they probably would have had hippie parents, but they they were like deadheads. They were kind of stoners, so they were also into, they were a little, little, little maybe a little, you know, Def Leppard and shit too, but yeah, like, 
kind of didn't vibe on it then, but I, did, I didn't, I, I was, like, I think the first stuff that caught me was, like, uh, like the working man blues and, and, uh, the, the country rock stuff some of the jam stuff i was like i was like i don't know man <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's people that people that swear by swear by and i've definitely heard some i know there's like some i think they're like from holland from like 72 or 74 there's like some fucking pretty fucking sick like live shows that i've heard yeah, kind of uh, like I wa- I watched the band thing recently too, and I was like, I was like, I never really thought of the the band like the Dead before, and I was like, oh, they're kind of like that. But then there was someone in the movie said they're kind of like the Americana Beatles. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, but I was kind of like they're pretty. I never kind of totally dug the band, but I, I I was like, there's a bit there where they're definitely one of the. Yeah, like one of those bands that fucking no one can touch them live. Mm-hmm. So I, always, I always feel that that's like one thing that's like pretty that that's a separation thing I think with bands where it's like sometimes you'll see a band and they're great and other times you're like yeah they're okay and or they'll you know, every, every band has to have like at least one good song. So it's like, and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's their song. And then it's like those bands that have like a a few really good songs. But then when it's like, you see that same band and they're like, yeah, they're just kicking ass every time. We're like, okay, okay. I found that there was like, when the first bands, I guess from like, yeah, like Victoria and BC, the ones that started touring, like No Means No was one of them, and mm-hmm. but they come back from tours and you're like, oh shit, they're getting really good. <laughs> they're like, have you seen the so ripping live? Yeah, because you're just oh, yeah. dude, just doing it every night. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I love. I mean, there are some bands that like I'd never really put on a record of theirs. But if they were coming yeah. to play live, I would definitely go see them. There's a couple mm-hmm. of jam bands that come to mind <laughs> when I say that. Yeah, I always like, I always loved like Comets on Fire live. That super, especially that certain heyday. There was like a, I guess there was like kind of when Black Mountain. I wasn't like I don't think any of us were too like aware of much going on around North America at the time, but then we pretty much off the bat like like met the Comets people and like Oneida, um, mm-hmm. Dead Meadow for sure, and it was like oh shit, okay, we're 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 doing this and oh actually yeah because we did a, so on one of those really early jerk with a bomb tours we played washington dc we played this punk house and we we played and then these kids 
with like Beatles haircuts rolled in these big orange amps. And they fucking were like, <laughs> it was like 1999, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was Dead Meadow. And then years later, because I think we did like, we toured together like tons. And then we like played with each other and shit. But that was like their second show. <laughs> and it was like, we've, we've had a couple of moments like, Actually, we had one where we played in Perth, Australia, and there was these kids playing, and their parents were there, and then they were parents were helping them load their gear in or whatever, and maybe we're in the green room being cool, drinking, you know, beer and smoking wacky tobacco, and this band started. These kids, and we're like, "Oh fuck, this band's really good." What went and watched it and was like, "Fucking like it was killer." And like a couple of years later, because I, I, I got a bad memory sometimes, and I was like, I was like, hey Josh, was was that band? Were those kids? Was that Tim and Pala? He's like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> like, okay, right on. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, oh yeah. So there was definitely like a explosion of live music around that time because I feel like right before that there was like a a wave of like. DJ is going to spin 45 <laughs> record night. And then, you you know, I don't know. Um, but then they were like, yeah, they, especially in Vancouver, it was like, you know, just one of those little zeitgeists of human explosion, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Yeah. That, that sounds like such a, a vibrant time you've had. Uh, through the years playing with all these bands I'm really excited to hear that new uh, Pink Mountain stuff you're working on yeah I uh, I hope to like finish it like in the next month or two um, I still got a ways to go but it's been it's been fun a lot of people playing on it which is nice all the uh, there was only one uh, socially distanced masked session <laughs> for the record, but, but all the other stuff's been like via the interweb, which has been kind of cool. I don't know. I, I, I really hope that when we the world comes out of this, that we're not. Uh, <laughs> that it's just not. Yeah, I hope it's just not a live nation takeover of. <laughs> yeah. And sadly, there's some venues here that have closed their doors and other ones that are struggling to survive. So, yeah, I'm just hoping that everyone makes it through, okay? <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I I think what you're describing, just Live Nation being the only people that survive, would be horrible for live music in general. Yeah, and there's going to, like, because, you know, hopefully, I know a lot of people have been busy creating magic, so, you know. Yeah, and there's there's all sorts of things you can do to, um, you know, support local, you know, record stores and music venues and stuff. Uh, for instance, we, so Comfort Monk uh, has put out some records in the last year, and we actually have uh-huh. a record coming out uh, in a couple weeks. 
and all the all the pre-orders that we're getting for it uh all the proceeds are going to one of our local um our local you know clubs that is pretty integral to the Columbia music scene Mm -hmm. so I think as long as people can keep doing stuff like that and find creative ways to uh to keep the lights on in those places hopefully you know come yeah for sure come touring time again there'll still be a bunch of cool small independent places to play yeah I got hope I got hope (laughs) I do too humans can be like sometimes humans get a bad rap but it's like some of them adapt pretty well and like maybe if it's that thing where it was like oh this maybe Live Nation did take over maybe a bunch of people would be like all right, well, fuck you. We're going to start something new up again. <laughs> We're going to go have fun over over here. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, you will probably be some like energetic youth. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about all those, you know, seminal like late 70s, early 80 bands, and I think, you know, part of the reason why they made such dynamic and cool new music was just there wasn't a lot of great stuff coming on the radio at the time. So hopefully music venues will be like the same thing. If there's a a vacuum, people will do some exciting shit to fill it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Steven, it's been really good talking to you tonight. I appreciate you uh, spending so much time talking to me and chatting and answering some questions for me. No problem. It's a good time. It's nice to talk to you too. It's nice to, like, just like I say, like, I got these new uh, Bluetooth headphone things. I can actually like, if I was like sitting in, like at home, like like on a rotor phone, I'd probably be like, oh, my ears kind of sore. Now I gotta go. But, but now I'm like, oh, I can just I can just walk and I don't even have to hold my phone. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, cool. Hey, well, nice, nice to talk to you too. And yeah, and we'll keep in touch. Hope things shape up and everyone stay healthy, and we'll get through this. Yeah, you too. All right, talk to you later, Steve. Hey, man. Take Bye. care. Bye. All right, you want to throw some tags on there? This has been a Comfort Monk production. <laughs> <laughs>